Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, host of the program, and it is show number 131. Happy to be on with you. Happy to be back. I was off last week, so we are back. Uh, I'm back to it. Um, excited to be here. Uh, excited to be a member of the Education Podcast Network. Uh, check out all the great podcasts they have on their site and happy to be part of them uh, or with them. Uh, as well as uh, Voice Ed Canada, Voice Ed Radio Canada. Uh, uh, appreciate our relationship with them as well. So happy July, happy summer. Hope all is well. Uh, lots going on. Uh, and I'm excited to talk to our guest today. I am going to get her name uh, pronounced right because I worked on getting it spelled right first. We are going to meet Mandy Freilich here uh, in just a minute. Mandy's got a lot of job titles but she's doing a lot of great things in, uh, in education. Uh, she's a former uh, uh, innovation and de direct technology director. She is a, a consultant and she's a mom, she's a wife, and she is the author of three books working with EduMatch. Uh, so really excited to talk to Mandy. She just released uh, her latest book, her third book, Reignite the Flames. And we're going to be talking to her about teacher mental health, teacher wellness, and the state of education. So I hope your summer's going well. If you did your graduation, I hope it went well for you. And uh, if you haven't done it yet, if you pushed it back into delayed, and I know you're sorting through those things, I, I wish you the best. Sometimes you get your hands dirty, right? Us as school administrators, us as parents, uh, you just get your hands dirty, right? A lot of times as a school leader, it just lands on you. It just, you, you can't help it, right? And the reason I'm sharing this, unbelievable. I had about 10, 15 minutes with my wife the other day. It was a beautiful evening. It cooled off here in the Northeast and we were walking our dog, Ruby. And uh, Ruby started kind of sniffing in something. Ruby started sniffing a little more and then a little more. Before you know it, she was into something. So I said, hey. Get over here. And, you know, she's got a thing of leaves in her mouth. So I reach in there and I get the leaves. And what was all over the leaves? You know what was all over the leaves. And it got all over me. It got all over her. And I was like, oh, this is disgusting. Oh, my God, this is so gross. And you know what? Washed up. We washed Ruby up. And, uh, right, sometimes you just get dirty, right? You own a dog. The dog's going to get into something. It happens, right? And it happens in our field of education. It happens in our lives where it just doesn't go your way, right? And you do get that splash on you. You do get uh, your hands dirty. It reminds me of the scene in Forrest Gump, right, where the, where the mud splashes up on the guy's shirt. And he's like, oh, man. But then it goes in the smiley face, and he finds a positive from it. So, I share that story with you today because there are a lot of challenges uh, happening right now in schools. There are a lot of things. You are going to make mistakes. You are going to have parents that are upset at you and you are going to get your hands dirty. You just got to kind of keep rolling. You got to know that that's going to happen. 
And we're going to talk to Mandy here in a minute about taking care of our wellness, taking care of our, our bodies and our minds to be able to get through those hard times, right? Uh, I still love my dog, and thank God we had a lot of soap that I was able to clean myself off. So that was my opening segment about getting your hands dirty. Let's bring Mandy in here. Uh, I'm excited to uh, talk with her and uh, the work she is doing. Mandy, let's see. We're going to get you here. There she is, everyone. Mandy, welcome hey. to Education, Leadership, and Beyond. This is Mandy Freilich. Hey, everyone. How you doing? Thanks for having me. Yeah. Mandy, uh, as I said, is a wife, uh, a mom. She's a mom of four. Wow. Uh, she is an educator. She's an author. She's a speaker. She's a consultant. Uh, Mandy, you have a lot going on in your lives, and you just re released your, your third book, uh, reignite the, uh, the flames. But before we get to that, Manny, what did you think about, you know, does that happen to you where you just, right, you get your hands dirty? What are your thoughts on the oh. opening segment? Constantly. And and both, um, both in the way that I have three dogs, so I totally understand what you're talking about. <laughs> so, <laughs> both the, like, practical every now and then you find yourself with that all over your hands. Um, yeah. but also from the standpoint of, I think that's, I, I think it's just kind of the nature of the beast, especially in education. And I think sometimes the, the best lessons you have are the ones where you end up with something on your hands, you know, and, and that you have to kind of work through, um, whether it's a decision you made or a decision somebody else made. Um, I'm guessing you will probably never reach in your dog's mouth or leaves again. So we all learn a little bit from, not, not from, that, uh, from those experiences. <laughs> might kind of pry their mouth open first to see what might be in there. <laughs> yeah, so definitely, I definitely think it happens to everyone. And Mandy, you know, kudos to you. Your third book is coming out, uh, Reignite the Flames. Uh, you know, I know uh, it's coming here and I had a chance to read the preview as well as the first chapter. Tell us a little bit about that and the inspiration behind that book. Yeah, so um, Reignite the Flames is actually a follow-up to The Fire Within, which was my first book. Um, and The Fire Within was out a couple years ago and it um, started to address some issues that I saw in education in regards to teacher mental health. And there are a couple of things that, you know how like when you're meant to do something, everything kind of converges at once and you're like, oh, that's what it is, you know? And, and that was kind of something that happened to me. So I had um, things happening personally where I was dealing with some, own, uh, some of my own anxiety and, and depression issues, really felt like I couldn't talk to anybody about it because I felt like it made me weird. It made me a weird teacher. And um, I didn't want my my kids to, you know, to, to suffer or the teachers I was working with to suffer from that. And so um, it was it was that it was, you know, uh, meeting with a para um, a paraprofessional one day that had just come back from the hospital from being bitten by a student. And um, she, when I asked to see the bite, she kind of lifted up her sleeves and she had bruises all up and down her arms and from the kids that had been hitting and, and um, you know, kicking her all day. And um, I felt like I would never want to go to a job where or I can't, I couldn't imagine going 
to a job where I was being physically assaulted every day I was there. And um, so that was that was another piece of it. Um, it was a conversation with a, a friend of mine who had very similar experiences growing up, but we were very different kids in school and um, but kind of, you know, even though that was the case, we both grew up to want to be educators, but kind of for different reasons. And so, um, you know, she kind of she caused kind of caused trouble in school, wasn't a big fan of school. Um, I had so much drama going on at home that I definitely didn't need that at school. So I was like, you're your sweet, quiet kid who got your paper clips when you needed, you know, before you even needed them and, and like never talked to any anybody in class and just did my work and did what I was supposed to do. And yet both of our experiences brought us into education. Um, and that was how the fire within was born. From that, um, with Reignite the Flames, uh, Reignite the Flames is actually the research that I've done since then to find out how, um, you know, some of the ways that uh, mental health impacts us as teachers and students in the climate and culture, as well as um, reasons that teachers disengage from the profession. Um, and we, we talk a lot about burnout. People mention burnout all the time, um, but it really is so much more than that. And so um, Reignite the Flames is, is helping people put words to their emotions so that they can talk about it and then subsequently how they can come back around and be healthier in order to love their jobs again. Mandy, what would be some things that you would tell a teacher that maybe is disengaged or feeling burned out or feeling down? What would be some things that they can do to reignite those flames? Sure. So it depends a little bit on what it is that that caused the disengagement. And there can be uh, several things kind of put together that can cause that. Um, so uh, I, I'll give my kind of uh, my best example because they're kind of opposite is that we have burnout, which is what everybody you know kind of talks about. And then we have something called demoralization. Um, and demoralization is when um, teachers uh, teachers are a little bit different than other, um, you know, than other professions in the way that uh, they get into the profession typically for this kind of moral obligation to do and be better and to, to like make make a difference in somebody's life. And so demoralization is when something, it could be administration, it could be politics, it could be a school, an adult school bully, it could be a pandemic. Um, makes them feel like they can't do their best job and that they can't teach the way that they're supposed to. So with burnout, um, one of the things that uh, is recommended is to actually pull away from work a little bit, set boundaries, practice self-care, um, do some of those things to try to get your energy back. But demoralization, which can feel very similar, um, demoralization, you're actually supposed to dig in into what your passions are within education. And you're supposed to remember who your identity was as a teacher. And, and so I'll give an example, a teacher I was working with, a uh, wonderful lady, wonderful, wonderful person. She was feeling, um, she thought she was burnt out, but what she was actually feeling was demoralized because she felt like um, the curriculum had 
been so been made so um, scripted that some of her best ways that she felt like she was a teacher she couldn't do anymore. And um, so we talked a little bit about it. And when we came to that conclusion, what I actually told her was don't pull back, like dig in. Okay. So don't, don't let the curriculum take over your life. Like you, you have these special gifts that you help kids connect to literacy. Then how can you take your gifts and fit the curriculum within that? And, and so it was more of, researching combining two different ways of being an educator um, than it was actually pulling back entirely. And that's kind of the difference between, or the importance of knowing really why it is that you're disengaging in the first place. Yeah, yeah. And maybe we have some people watching live. Certainly my mom is my biggest fan. She's always watching, hey mom. Uh, <laughs> but if you have a question or hey, please, Please leave us that. I know Rachel's watching here, but leave us a question or a comment. Um, and and I'm a high school principal, Mandy, and we have a lot of school leaders uh, watching. What would you say to us to try? What can we do to help support these people? What can I do to maybe identify some of these deficiencies or some of these feelings that might be happening in my staff? And what can I do to support them? Yeah, so I get asked this all the time. And the one struggle with teacher engagement is that nobody can make somebody re-engage. Um, the decision to re-engage really has to come from inside that person. Um, and so one of the other pieces of engagement is that I feel it's important to try to um, educate people about engagement prior to them getting to the point where they're so disengaged, they don't even care that they're there anymore. Mm -hmm. And um, so usually what I tell administrators um, is that they can educate, help, help provide professional development, provide professional learning on what burnout is, on what demoralization is, on, on um, how to, you know, help them find resources for anxiety, help them understand um, I have a free uh, educator self-care course. Um, you know, it, it addresses things like how can you actually practice self-care in the classroom while class is going on? Uh, you know, like what do you do if things start to get too much and you're getting overwhelmed? Like how do you catch yourself before you just kind of get so overwhelmed that you go over the edge? You know, understanding some of those those practical things in the classroom um, is one of the things that you can do. Another thing that you can do is um, set boundaries, set your own boundaries and, and in order to model them setting boundaries. And this pandemic learning was a perfect example where I heard of people getting up at seven in the morning and working until seven, eight, nine, ten o'clock at night. That is somebody, you know, in the beginning, I kind of got it like you, you need to do what you have to do in order to get going. But there were some people that did that the entire time yeah. that that it's not nobody can sustain that. Um, and so it's important to understand that boundaries need to be set, which means that if your student messages you or emails you at five o'clock at night, you are not responsible to message them back until the next morning. That's okay. Nothing is going to happen that's so detrimental it can't be taken care of the next day. And um, so as administrators, 
respecting teachers boundaries and also creating your own so that you can model that you know don't don't tell teachers to not answer answer emails after five o'clock and then shoot them six emails at seven o'clock at night like that that doesn't help set you know modeling set, setting the boundaries um so I, I would say those two things and then the last thing i always say is uh, again back with the modeling model self-care um, you know, model, model doing some of those things, model reflective thought, um, you know, as, as you're thinking through a problem or um, you're trying to uh, deal with an issue, model the reflective thinking out loud. That doesn't always come natural to everybody. And sometimes people need to hear other people do it. And, um, you know, talk about going biking on the weekend, talk about taking a walk in the morning before you go to work, like show that you're that you're asking them to practice self care, but you are also doing it yourself, you're making time too. Um, and then the last thing that I usually say is a don't do, <laughs> because I've seen it done. Um, please don't make self care a compliance issue. Um, so don't ask people to report on what they're doing uh, for any kind of, you know, evaluate, especially not for an evaluation or something like that. But people, um, I had a teacher say to me once, I don't want to have to spend energy convincing my administration I'm okay. And that's fair. That's a fair thing to say. Um, and so it can be a part of conversation. It can be that you're encouraging people to, that you're modeling your, the behavior, but definitely never ask people to report back on what self-care they're doing. Yeah. Plus it's kind of a privacy issue. Yeah. Mandy, these are great <laughs> tips. Uh, I definitely want to practice that. And I agree with you about the modeling. I think that's important. Uh, you know, you get what you give, right? And, and people see and experience mm -hmm. these things. How about you, Mandy? Where did this come from? Right. You, you, you mentioned about the fire within. Right. And and this is obviously a, this deep, empathetic nature is, is inside of you. Where, where did that come from? Uh, my empathetic nature. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> uh, I think that <laughs> I think that um, I think it's just something it's just like a personality trait for me. I've always kind of been that way. Um, I'm a little bit too empathetic in in some ways and have to kind of pull back sometimes on things that I'm doing in order to uh, in order to protect myself. Um, because, you know, especially in the world that we're living in right now, I mean, oh my gosh, there's so many things to be empathetic about. <laughs> it's, it's everywhere. And um, so I, and I know other people like myself too, where the empathy piece, um, especially in education is, is nearly too much. And when we talk about boundaries, that's one of the areas you can practice boundaries as well. And we'll, we'll um, be one of the ways that you can um, actually try to not get secondary traumatic stress or compassion fatigue is by creating boundaries on your empathy. Um, so, uh, but I think that I, I always, I always had kind of this empathetic nature when I was a little kid. Um, I was just joking about this with somebody. When I was a little kid, I used to go into the toy store. And if my grandma told me I could pick out a toy, I would pick out the toy that looked the loneliest. Like the one that might have had like a little missing button or might have had like, the, what was that bear story? Like padded corduroy? Was that corduroy? Um, you know, I would look, look like the most, yeah, I'd pick out the most pathetic looking little animal. And she would always be like, 
why do you want me to buy that? And I'm like, because it's lonely and sad and nobody's ever going to buy it. So uh, that's always kind of the way I've been. That's a great thing. And, and I give you a lot of credit because we do need to take care of our teachers. We do need to take care of our staff, right? There's so much attention on the kids and the learning. But what about our people? Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm looking forward to reading exactly. uh, the book in its entirety. And, and again, modeling this, whether we're virtual next year or back in, because uh, our teachers are going to need that support. Um, you recently have, have left the classroom now and you're, you're uh, you know, consulting and, and, you know, kind of full time doing that. Uh, tell me about that decision, you know, and, and you know, what, what you're doing now. Sure. So. Uh, originally, I left the classroom um, actually because I had become burnt, burnt out. And that's one of the, you know, um, when I say everything kind of came in at once, like that was another one of the catalysts that came in at the time. And um, I didn't realize what it was. I was pretty busy <laughs> blaming administration for everything. Um, and I was super unhappy as a teacher. And I loved my students. That never changed. I love my students so much. In fact, one of my um, one of my classes is graduating this year and several of them have reached out to me and it's just, oh, it's, I just love it. It's so much fun. I always love my students, but I felt like I didn't have a say in what was going on um, in my classroom, let alone what was going on in the school. And I felt a lot like I was being told to be innovative, but if I deviated from the curriculum, I was kind of given a, a slap on the wrist. And so I was stuck between this wanting agency in my teaching and being told what to do with expectations I couldn't reach. Yeah. And so um, I, you know, I, I was super angry about it. And um, so one day I decided to apply to a different district um, in uh, for an entirely different position in an instructional a coaching role with technology and I, I got the position and I found when I got there that I continued to be unhappy. Um, I, it was, a, a, everything changed. Every, there was nothing that stayed the same, um, but then my district changed, my boss changed, my role changed. Like I was working with teachers, not students. Like it, there was nothing that stayed the same except me and I was still unhappy. And at one point I went, oh my gosh, I can't blame anyone else anymore for my unhappiness. This is entirely my choice. And um, that is really, it, it's, it's super pride swallowing when you find out that like you are the sole cause of all your issues. <laughs> you are the one that actually needs to change. Um, so, I, so I started working on that and it took me years to re-engage. Um, and, and I'm not saying that the district was perfect that I left in everything that they did. Um, however, I think that the way I handled it and the way I processed and internalized things was probably not the healthiest. And so I worked on it. I, I loved my, ended up loving my job as, as a tech integrator by the time that I left. Um, I simply left for a different opportunity to be a tech director. And um, I left that recently uh, in order to consult because I was I I loved doing my tech director job. But when I was able to go into other districts and see what was going on there and kind of compare them to how things worked at home and and um, and 
I, I was growing so much as as an educator myself that it was where I wanted to be. So that's how I ended up in the consulting role full time. Well, kudos to you. And uh, you're very self-reflective. You're very self-aware and you make changes and adapt it. It's, it's, it's really refreshing to hear you share that. It is. Thanks. And then, and then your relationship with Edumatch, right? You're you're the director of author success. That's another thing you're doing. Another job you're doing. Um, you know, how how did that come about to to be that? And then, what makes an author successful? <laughs> um, well, I um, as far as Edumatch goes, when I was publishing. So I, well, how I ended up with, with Sarah Thomas in the first place is that I was going around kind of doing what authors do and putting their books out to different publishing companies to see who would bite. And um, I, put it to, I put it to a couple publishing companies who told me that people didn't want to hear sad stories, that, um, you know, that nobody really wanted to talk about educator mental health. I had some people go as far as to tell me I was going to get people fired because um, we shouldn't be talking about this and it definitely shouldn't be public. And, and this is, I mean, like we're talking, this was like <laughs> two, three years ago now when really nobody was talking about this. And um, it's become a little bit more commonplace now, but I, I took a lot of heat at first for my manuscript. And um, when I went to Sarah and I gave her the project and she read it and um, you know, she messaged me like, absolutely. Yes. Like I, I want, I want in on this, you know, um, it was, I needed somebody in my corner like that because I felt like I was, I was just on that cusp of going, Oh, maybe, maybe I did something wrong. Maybe this shouldn't have been printed, you know, this shouldn't be published. And, um, I was kind of right on that cusp of just pulling the idea entirely. And, uh, she was, she was absolutely a thousand percent supportive and um, that's what I needed in that moment. And so that's how I ended up with Sarah. Um, and since then we just worked really well together on the fire within. And, and when I saw some things that I thought, Oh, we, you know, you could have a procedure for this and it would look like this, or you could take this idea and do this. And I, we just bounce ideas off each other, worked really well together. And then finally one day we were kind of like, we should do this all the time. <laughs> and that was, that was how it happened. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I love Sarah Thomas. Like I can't even put into words. She is one of uh, my favorite people in the whole world. And um, she does so much, she does so much good that people don't even know about. And she does it because it's the right thing to do. And, yeah. and honestly, sometimes those, those people can be a little hard to find. You know, and sometimes people want the credit for everything all the time or they want to make sure people know exactly what it is that they do. And and she's just not like that. And I have a huge amount of respect for that. Well, whoever came up with the job title is great because as a fellow author, right, to work with the director of author success like that, <laughs> you're, you're looking out for your people. So I think that's a that, whosever idea was, it was a good one. <laughs> Yeah, thanks. We try. I started out as the director of marketing and then it just wasn't what I was actually doing because I was more supporting authors and um, and to be an author. I mean, 
you know, nowadays, my goodness, uh, you can do anything from self-publish to go with a traditional publisher like Corwin to a non-traditional publisher or um, a hybrid publisher like Edumatch. There's so many different options. And so my recommendation for authors, which I don't, I don't know if a lot of people do this, and I think that it would really help as people are developing their idea, because a lot of people get an idea and they're so gung-ho on it that they just want to write the book. But what my recommendation is actually to, is to um, get a presentation together about your concept. Put in all of, um, you know, put in all of the, the research that you have, put in, do, you know, think about how you would want your book to sound and put that in the presentation. Blog about it, talk about it. Go out to conferences and present on it. Get the feedback from people who are talking about it. Um, do the, the uh, you know, listen to the people who are responding to your blog and giving you examples or, um, you know, things that resonate with them and stuff like that. Do all that first and then write the book. Um, because I, I've learned so much. I mean, I've been talking about mental health for years. And I've learned so much from writing about it and how people have responded to it and from presenting on it and having people talk, to, talk back to me about it. And in fact, one of the reasons that I have for disengagement in um, Reignite the Flames is teacher trauma. And teacher trauma, I, I list as three specific ways, although there can be more. One is um, school shooting drills depending upon how they're done, because in Wisconsin, we do them in a kind of crazy way. Um, there is, is um, students who have behavior issues uh, to the point where they're physically assaulting teachers. And then the third one I didn't actually have until I was presenting on it, and a teacher said to me, I had a student pass away. And I had never had a student pass away, so that never even dawned on me, even though clearly that would be trauma. But I never experienced it, so I didn't even think about it. And, and so her and I were chatting, and she ended up writing a little blurb for the book, but she said, um, I had a student I was very, very close to pass away, and, and she was actually at the time working as a, a school counselor, um, and said, I, I didn't know if I was going to be able to grieve because I had to counsel and um but still had very like very much you know very much wanted to go through the grief process and had had trauma from that and um you know it's it it's such a learning experience for me and that piece actually went into the book and so um yeah i think it's really important to get out there to talk about it um to find out what resonates with people to uh hone your craft to do all of those things then write the book because um, a lot of people have ideas for books. Not everybody follows through with the pre-work that has to be done and the writing of the book. Sure. And the great Dave Burgess is watching. Dave's been on the program and, and he agrees with you, right? Teach like a pirate uh, to get those ideas out and, and get them out there. So uh, way to go. Um, there's a theme too, uh, Mandy, with you and your books about the fire, right? The flame with inside and <laughs> certainly yes. your energy, right? You have tremendous energy. Tell me about this, the fire within. Tell me about the energy that you got burning inside of you because clearly it's that flame within the book, but with all that you're doing in education, 
you got a you got a strong engine in there. Tell me about that. <laughs> so that's actually kind of been a, a something we've laughed about over the years with the, the fire thing. I, I just eventually I was like, I have to I have to have fire on, on each one of my covers because of the first, uh, you know, the first book. And and so um, but I think where it comes from actually is. Well, probably two two ways. First of all, I'm super passionate typically about what I what I talk about. And so if you get me going, <laughs> the arms will be flying and I'll be, you know, the, the voice octave will get a little higher and I'll be super excited. And, and um, so that's literally the fire. But also I think uh, I've worked really, really hard to find um, kind of my purpose in education and, and to really figure out what my beliefs are in education. And and I, I blog quite a bit about it. It's a little bit in Divergent EDU, which is my second book. Um, but my purpose uh, has been to support teachers because I believe in supporting teachers. We best support students. I've been saying that for years. And I, I was saying it when it was not the popular thing to say, when people would respond to me and say, oh, you mean we should forego students for teachers? Nope, I just think we can support everybody. <laughs> I don't think we have to throw anybody under the bus in order to support students. Everybody's important. And um, and so I it you know, it's not meant to be exclusionary. It's just understanding that I have, you know, made that my purpose. And then my core beliefs, um, you know, I have uh, things like model the behaviors that you wish to see, you know, um, and I've used those as kind of my um, you know, my, kind of my filter for everything that I, I, I bounce everything that I do off from there, every decision I make, even when I was an administrator, uh, you know, if, if it, if something didn't fit within my core beliefs, I knew right away that it wasn't something I was going to be able to go forward with. Um, and so I, I've worked hard on that because I've worked hard on that. It's really been my foundation, uh, for everything in education. It makes me much more solid than, um, you know, sometimes you don't really know what people stand for because sometimes they're going with the wave of, of what's what's being talked about right then, or they fold under a time where it gets really really hard that they have to talk about something that's not unpop that that's not popular, and um, you know those are the areas where you have to have that purpose and those core beliefs to hold you up. So I think that the fire would be in two ways. It would be the the excitement and uh, that I get. I you know, probably get like a little heated when I start to talk. <laughs> so it might be from that, but also the understanding why I'm here piece of it is important to me. Well, that's awesome. I love the fire theme and you'd fit right in with my family, talking with your hands, talking loud. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll <laughs> break bread one day here, uh, meet all these children <laughs> and uh, come visit Wisconsin. So hopefully the, the fire will get you through rapid fire because that's the the wrap-up portion of our show here. Uh, Manny, these are quick answers. Okay, I'm ready. Uh, and then, bam, the first thing that comes. So you, you're involved with book publishing. What's the last book you read for pleasure? Oh, my gosh, for pleasure? Um, oh, I read a book on the art of Reiki, actually. Awesome. Last movie you saw? Yeah. Um, Karate Kid. Favorite place to travel? 
I love Orlando. It's one of my favorites. I I would choose to go there every time. Not today. You got to wait. Yeah, no, not today. <laughs> You're right. You share, not you every time. A, you shared a lot of passions, things that you got going, and obviously uh, the teacher wellness and, and all of that is something. What is something outside of education that motivates you? What's something that gets you going? Um, I think... Uh, you know, to be honest, like with four kids, I don't have a ton of hobbies. Um, I had self-care is something I really have to be intentional about. I do. We we did just move. And so kind of updating our house and, and things are, are something I've been interested in and spent a lot of time on Pinterest. But at an, you know, during a normal time, I, I kind of love to research weird things. Um, so and that's not something that everybody knows about me, but I'll read about ghosts and aliens and um, you know, any theories that are out there on things, this stuff just fascinates me. And, uh, so if I have time, you know, oh, I love, love tracking tornadoes, like watching the real live storm chasers, uh, love doing that. I would do it for hours if I could. So I have weird hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't admit that to many people. What's something that gets under your skin? What's the pet peeve of yours? Hmm. Um, well, if this is, uh, this is not going to be rapid fire because I'd have to think, I think, um, I think, um, so I don't know. I have a lot of them, but it's not like I don't have pet peeves. I think, I think it would be when, um, people say that lazy people are the ones who do self-care. Um, that would be a huge pet peeve of mine. Or sometimes uh, people will say things like, um, you know, recently I heard a teacher say to me, um, students are just babied. They don't have mental health issues. And, and so I think that when it comes to my actual, like I have a lot of other pet peeves that can't stand when my kids leave a pizza, a pizza plate out like, you know, it, that kind of stuff, like put the roll, put a new roll of toilet paper in the bathroom. Like it's not that hard. I have like those types of pet peeves, but for work, I think it would probably be the whole, I don't believe in mental health um, type thing. So. Well, Jennifer Casa, Todd thinks you're weird too. She likes your weirdness. Someone, someone you'd like, yeah. someone you'd like to meet. Someone I'd like to meet. Oh, um, Daniel Pink. Hands down. Yeah, he's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Growing up, it used to be Elon Musk, but he's not weird. <laughs> Growing up, living in, in Wisconsin is fill in the blank. Boring. It smells like cows here a lot, and there's really nothing to do. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre? That's all I have to say. Uh, I used to say Aaron Rodgers, but. I, Favre's kind of a traitor, and people like, argue with me on that all the time. No, I, he's a traitor. So I would say if I had to pick between the two, I'd pick Aaron. Lambeau Field is fill in the blank. Expensive. <laughs> it's big. It's beautiful, but expensive. <laughs> yeah. Best, best purchase under $100 that has had a great impact on your life. Oh, my, my wireless earbuds. These things, I only have one in. 
and they're called Tozo. They were like $30 and I've bought $500 pairs. These things are phenomenal. Best thing ever. Tozo. I'm going to give it a shot. Tozo. Yep. Short-term goal, uh, professional or personal, three to five months. Ooh, um, to stop being in my house and be able to go someplace again. Is that a goal? I don't know if that's a goal. I think that's a goal. I'm sticking with that one. That's a goal for me, you, and everyone. Ten years from now, <laughs> Mandy Freilich will fill in the blank. Um. Have, I will have, uh, Mandy Freilich has made the discussions on, has normalized the discussions on educator mental health. Amen. If someone's thinking about uh, publishing a book that they're thinking about doing, why should they go with Edumatch? Oh, because we have a director of author success. <laughs> and she meets with you and she helps you through your process. And um, <laughs> rule the world. <laughs> Jen just said rule the world. Um, and you know, she can she can help you through those things. So I would say um, first, your first reason to go with Edgy Match is Sarah Thomas, but your second reason to go is for the director of author success. <laughs> who is who is, does hold your hand through the process? I agree, and I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, building that relationship. Uh, I know you had a favorite quote here, Mandy. We're coming to the end of the program, uh, but I know you had a favorite quote for us. Okay, so it is, and you can find this in the fire within. It is okay. It's okay if you fall down and lose your spark. Just make sure that when you get back up, you rise as the whole damn fire. And that is Colette Worden. Beautiful, beautiful. That is uh, perfect. Uh, Mandy, how can people get in touch with you if they have questions about uh, the books, if they have questions about mental health, or if they're looking to hire you as a consultant, how can uh, they get in touch with you? Um, yeah, so I'm Freilich M on Twitter. It's F-R-O-E-H-L-I-C-H-M. Mm -hmm. And then um, also you can find me at www.divergentedu.com um, or mandyfreilich.com. Either one will get you there, but divergentedu is easier to spell. Um, and uh, all my books can be found on Amazon. So The Fire Within, Divergent EDU, and uh, Reignite the Flames. Uh, make sure you look for the education version of Reignite the Flames. Also, if you decide to become an author, please um, search your title on Amazon first <laughs> to make sure because Reignite the Flames has some weird other books that are with it. So look for the education version of Reignite the Flames. This is Mandy Freilich, everyone. Mandy, you did a great job. A lot of friends uh, watching today, Jennifer and Elizabeth. And that's right, Dave. Thanks for the shout out, uh, the great Dave Burgess uh, being with us. Uh, Mandy, this was great. You did a great job. And uh, I wish you the best uh, with your house and uh, uh, all the projects you got going on and, and certainly your beautiful family as well. Oh, thank you so much. And thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Mandy Freilich, everyone, check her out online and certainly the work she is doing. We're going to shoot this music up. Uh, signing off here on Education, Leadership, and Beyond. Continue to go out and do great work in your schools and community. And, and Mandy's message today about taking care of ourselves, taking care of our people is a beautiful one. Mandy, thank you. Thank you so much.
stay on the line a second.